Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of It's Personal. Uh, the last book I wrote was heavy. All right. Hey, Gary. This is Evie. Uh, my name is Randy Rebine. Uh, but my name is Jared Krizoska. I don't think I'm a person that curses a lot. Heart just goes out to everybody. I'm excited. Awesome. Hi. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of It's Personal. Um, today, I have a very special guest. Um, I don't know how to introduce her besides like she is one of my favorite people um, in regards to the work that she does um, that she puts inside of books and what she does for just kids in general. Um, she is also an activist, an educator, a writer. Um, can you please introduce yourself? My name is Mahogany L. Brown. I am a writer and educator, organizer, and uh, I'm just happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, you are honestly one of those people that I've always wanted to talk to um, in regards to just writing in general. Um, I just love the way that you put words together um, that spark emotion and feeling. Um, you are- Thank you. Uh, honestly, um, someone that I just really look up to in regards to um, writing in literature. So. This is special for me. Hopefully it's special Ooh. for everyone else who's listening. And very I'm, little I feel pressure. like we're already Low done. Pressure. Low pressure. That's Low it. pressure. I have nothing else to say. You win. Everybody give your money to Gary Gray. Immediately. <laughs> That's it. Podcast. Five stars. No, honestly, um, <laughs> definitely someone I look up to and Thank truly, you. Appreci truly appreciate. Um, Mahogany, can you tell us just a little bit about how you started writing? Um, how did that happen for you? Um, I came to writing very young, um, but poetry it took a, it took a bit longer. And by the time I was 21, I was writing poems. Um, I left it to focus on journalism and came back and never left when I was about 24. So wow. I've been here for a good 20 years writing these poems and trying to see what they do how they work on the page, how they work on the stage, how they work in plays. I am not beholden to any one genre. Um, I believe that poetry, it exists on all of those different planes. Mm -hmm. I 100% agree with you. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love you as well, because um, you're not afraid. Um, I heard you talk a number of times about the most recent work that you've done and you put into the world in regards to your novel and how um, it's something that you hadn't really done before. And can you tell us a little bit about taking risks and why this was something that was important for you to do? Um, what I love about taking risks with poetry is there is no one way to do it, right? As long as you can make a, a case to um, encourage folks to read poems differently, um, if you can create a blueprint for a new kind of poem, a new form of poetry. There is no one way. Poetry allows so many voices to exist. Uh, unfortunately, we've been in that space where there were, you know, so-called gatekeepers or, or the canon was um, strictly for traditional voices, i.e. white dead men, right? And then you find out that <laughs> poetry has been here, it hasn't left. And it was before those white dead men were considered the canon that poetry existed. So how how do we get to uh, talk about our worlds, talk about the things that not only make us, but also the things that made our grandparents, right? Uh, I love 
poetry as a tool for memory, um, museum, and um, joy. I think those those pillars are super important. And um, also uh, revolution, liberation. I think <laughs> I think that's a part of joy too, though, right? Like when I'm free, mm -hmm. I'm really happy. Uh, poetry gives us a space to do that. It does. What What would you say, or who would you say, are some of the people that have um, inspired you along the way? And that could be um, people who um, are already in it in regards to literature, or it could be um, family members or people who are um, relatively close to you. Mm, I love that question. No one's ever asked me which family member is my inspiration because word up, it's my grandmothers. They are so Southern and keep it real. <laughs> um, my paternal grandmother's from Louisiana. My maternal grandmother is from Texas. Both of them relocated to California, Northern California. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very specific dialect, right? Like how they speak. I love it. <laughs> it it's, it's the reason that I speak the way I do now. Um, mm -hmm. And it's also something that I fought against for a very long time. There were people telling me like, oh, well, you know, why did you say all of these things and collard greens? Like maybe we can just say, you know, greens. And I'm like, that's not your <laughs> position. You can't mm -hmm. tell me how to remember, mm -hmm. you know, my grandmother's mm -hmm. life. It was collard greens. It's very specific. It ain't mustard greens and it's not just a green, right? Mm -hmm. So those things fighting for like uh the, the legitimacy of 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 their voices and the specificity of their lives has has been profound in my work um of course there are the great sonia sanchez and nikki giovanni and maya angelou um there's contemporaries who i, I adore patricia smith and suher hamad and terence hayes and amir suleiman and jive poetic so i'm very lucky to be surrounded by poets of all walks of life, whether mm -hmm. they are um, griot and just speaking it, or whether it's just in the oral tradition or whether it's, you know, on the page. Wow. Wow. It's something, it's so funny because I've had this conversation with, um, I've had asked this question before and um, I kid you not, um, something about black grandmas, like they are, they are honestly the ones that um, keep families together and they are the ones who continuously show up when people are asking about inspiration and why they continue to do things um, my grandmother does the same thing for me and it, it's crazy because like I always tell people um, who I talk to like I'm from Canada so I live in I'm originally from where I am from Nova Scotia which has like a very small black community but the biggest black community in Canada and my grandmother is like she's the rock like in my family um she exact same thing like if people ask about her um and why i do things she is like at the top in in comparison to everybody else so i can i hear you and i feel you and i totally understand what you're saying when you talk about your grandmother um yeah can you yeah can you can you share with us a little and i always ask this question because i think it's important to see um what it was like for you growing up in regards to the household um, and the school schooling that you um partaked in in regards to middle school high school um and elementary what did that look like for you in california it was very different um a lot of trees <laughs> a lot of green park rolls um 
basketball courts, public pools, a lot of um, jokes about uh, how dark you are um, and to stay out of the sun. Also a lot of high school dance parties. I can remember that. Um, I didn't know how, how much of my childhood informed my playfulness now um, and how different that is from like saying now that I, you know, I'm based in New York, how different that is to my Cali childhood until I was raising my daughter in New York. And I was like, oh, we can't let you ride your bike in the street. And mm -hmm. knowing your neighbors is not as common. Um, and you, if you want to find a tree to climb, you got to go to a certain park. And even then someone's going to say something, right? So it's just that kind of freedom. It was, I didn't know how much freedom I had, even though there was like some pain there. Um, how, uh, mass incarceration affected my family and how drug addiction affected my family. Um, there was still so much hope uh, that I, that I returned to those, to those, those memories thinking about like, if I'm, you know, if I'm to remember anything, that's like, that's the thing that, that is the shining jewel. That's mm. the thing that's is shining. It's so hopeful, even mm. amidst all that mm. pain and sorrow. And you don't know who is where, when they coming back, there was still hope. It was, it's mm -hmm. trippy. I don't wow. know if it's youth or the, the sun from Cal. I don't know. Yeah. And would you say a lot, has any of that, well, I'm, I'm going to assume, but I'm going to ask anyway, has a, as much or a lot of that influence just the work that you do today in regards to the writing, in regards to the education, in regards to the organizing? Oh, for sure. Um, my, my resilience, I think, returns to, um, those activists in the Bay Area, the matriarchs of my family. I didn't realize that they were revolutionary until I watched them feed not only the kids in their home, but also the kids in the neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. How my grandmother up until this day still gets people ringing on the doorbell because they know that she will buy whatever they're selling. And to know that the communities um, took care of each other in that way, you know, it's like, I know if I'm selling these cookies, these Girl Scout joints, I can go to this house because <laughs> that is what community is. Like they're gonna take mm -hmm. care of these kids. They're gonna take care of, of um, you know, the, the next stage. Like how, how do we become entrepreneurs? How do we fundraise and, and turn to the nonprofit world? All of that starts at a very young age, right? Mm -hmm. You learn how to get that little lemonade sales pitch together. You are burgeoning right then. It is happening, it is beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love that too. I love that. Um, I guess my next question is, what are you doing right now to find any bit of joy to keep you um, up, keep you moving, keep you going? What do you, what do you, what does that look like for you? Well, I just finished my second YA novel, which was super scary, but also I'm excited because it's a hybrid of prose and poetry and um, vignettes. And I love it. Um, and that's hopeful, right? Looking at the world through these eyes of the young, even writing very well knowing that I'm not a young person, but the things that I needed to know then that I just didn't have the text for or the language mm -hmm. for, I didn't know how to say, um, you know, I'm scared or I'm vulnerable. I didn't know how to say those things. I just kind of got by and how much stronger I would have been if I had 
that text? You know, if I had a chlorine sky, um, who, who would have known, right? Lucky for me, I had the Toni Morrisons and the Alice Walkers and the Judy Blooms and the Beverly Clearleys. And so I was able to find, like, I, I know what lineage I can go back to and look through. Um, Bluest Eye is still like top five. Um, so yeah, th th what brings me hope is knowing that the young people got next. And if I can just leave a small heirloom, a literary heirloom here, just to, you know, just to enforce their understanding um, of who they are, who they get to choose, they will become. And, um, you know, just put, put the work in, put the work in, we need them. Um, nothing is guaranteed. No one's entitled to anything. Um, but if we can give this, this blueprint of this is how I've survived, and, and now I'm listening to you on how to move next. Yeah, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't just build hope, that builds futures. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, I said it before, but like you are definitely doing all of that um, and have been doing all of that. So thank you. Um, what's your guilty pleasure? Like what is something that you, you know, something you're just like, yeah, what, what is your mm -hmm. guilty pleasure? I have no guilt. All of it's <laughs> just pleasure, pleasure. <laughs> we deserve every moment. Shoot. Uh, reality TV, love it. Um, coffee, a lot of it, love it. Um, yeah, there, anything that brings ease at this point, I feel like none of it's guilt. It. All I of that's that. deserved and earned. I love that. I love that. And I guess my next question, and this is almost again for myself, but hopefully other people will take on, take, take this as well. Um, what are your top three, if you could suggest three books, um, or more, um, to, um, new writers, um, educators, people who um, are just interested in literature in general, uh, what would those three books be? Okay. And not mine. No, of course they can be yours. <laughs> they shouldn't. I should, I should reach outside because like now they got me, they can just look up the list. Um, I will choose one of the books I helped edit along with Jamila Woods and Idrissa Simmons, which is the Black Girl Magic Anthology. Um, Break Be Poets Volume 2. That is a great, great tool for teaching, understanding um, the word, um, and also like coming um, into contact with so many uh, variations of Black femininity. And it's not, you know, the diaspora is large. So who we have included is really, really profound. Um, that's one. Another would be um, Jasmine Ward's Salvage the Bone deadass changed the game for me. Um, mm -hmm. I came up on Push and, and Bluest Eye again. Um, I love Sula. I love Pearl Cleage, um, Reasons to Riot. Mad Matt Miles and Other Reasons to Riot. It's a great collection. It's no longer in print. Shea Youngblood, still one of my favorite uh, Black Girl in Paris, but Salvage the Bones will be one. Black Girl Magic, the anthology will be two. And I would say Terrence Hayes' Wind in a Box. Okay. It's, it's a classic, but whew. Like you can see the work that he did there. So when you get to the National Book Award finalist, um, which was his last one, American Sonnets for My Past and Future Assassins, you mm -hmm. can see the juxtaposition of just 
his ability as a literary leader. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you. I wrote all those down. Like I'm listening to you, but again, this is selfishly, this is for me. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Of course. Just a couple more questions. Um, What would you say your, um, what would be your message to like your younger self if you had one? Oh, I love this one. Do it anyway. Uh, That's my favorite. Walk through that fear, yo. The fear, it's it's literally going to be there forever. You will be afraid mm-hmm. of all the things, and then what? Right? It does. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do you any justice or good to run your life and respond to your life through this fear glazed gaze. So, walk through the fear. Do it anyway. Walk through the fear. I love that. I love that. And then I guess my last question for you is where can people find you online? Um, Mm. And what are, I guess, if they don't know about the most recent book, um, can you share a little bit about that as well? Um, You can find me at Mo Brown, M-O-B-R-O-W-N-E or Mahogany L. Brown with an E at the end of Brown. Um, And Chlorine Sky, the newest drama is, it's like a coming of age story. this young, (laughs) what does it mean to know who you are in a friendship and then that friendship becomes fractured and then you have to figure out who you are all over again, right? Um, How do you stand up for yourself? How do you know what self-worth and self-love is? And of course, it's all, um, it all happens like between the basketball court um, and the swimming pool, which is very, very much a part of that. Wow. Cali, that Cali, the Cali uh, memory bank that I got. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Um, I really hope all the best in regards to the book um, and thank the work you. that you continue to do. Um, I appreciate you so, so much. Thank you. I had a great time. Thank you for making time <laughs> for me, especially with this, uh, d- our time difference and I can't no. wait to see who you got up on this podcast next. This is an no, amazing just, archive. No, thank you. I think I'm just, again, super honored and I feel blessed just to, for people just to say yes. Um, again, I, I, I do message people that I, I read and study and want to know more about. So when people say yes, I am more than grateful.